my name is Lou, and uh, as you've heard, I'm a, primarily a singer-songwriter. I go around basically just trying to tell people about Jesus through song and through the word. Um, I believe that, you know, he loves people. And that's what I want to tell. And so uh, I come from Brighton. I've lived there for about 24 years now. I think Emma and I got married the same year, didn't we, Emma? 20 years this year. Woohoo! And um, I've got one husband. His name is Nathan. And we have three children, a son who's nearly 14 and he's up here and his voice is down here. He has hair on his legs. It's very weird. Um, I also have a daughter who is uh, nearly 11 and another son called, called Jude who is nearly 8. So life is full. Life is challenging. In fact, I think that that whole thing about them needing you more when they're older rather than when they're babies is really coming to light now. I'm beginning to get that. I'm beginning to understand that more. It's a different deal, isn't it? Um, but it's joyful, and uh, I get the privilege to be their mum. Most of the time I enjoy that, and sometimes I'm pulling my hair out and going, Wah! So I'm sure some of you recognise that feeling. Yes? Good. Okay, good. So today we're going to go on a bit of a journey. We're going to start in one place and hopefully by the end of today we're going to end in another place, okay? But this morning what I'm going to do is we're going to talk on the subject of sink, swim or float. And before I start, I just want to show you um, an advert that came out by the RNLI, Royal Navy Lifeboat Institute, uh, in the summer. And it will help to kind of get us in in the mood. So if you do have any sort of fear of drowning... Please do not watch this for a moment. But if you can cope with it, I would encourage you to watch it because it's very um, stimulating and will help kind of set up the next little stretch. Uh, I don't know, have any of you ever actually fallen into ice cold water before? Anyone? Yes? How was it? You nearly drowned. I'm sorry. <laughs> the nearest I have got to that was I do a thing called Tough Mudder. Have you heard of that? And there's a thing in there called Arctic Enema, and it is exactly how it sounds. You go into this massive um, tank full of, well, it's kind of a a big, what's the word? Container, thank you. Uh, uh, I I flew in from America yesterday, so my brain is just waking up. Uh, A big container, and it's filled with iced water. So there's literally ice all along the top, and it is absolutely freezing. You have to slide into it. There's no escape. You have to go right underneath. Then you have to come up try and catch your breath and then go underneath again and then there's like a a block of wood that you have to go underneath again and then swim to the end and get out it's a very weird experience I know some of you are going why would you do that I don't know it's it's kind of enriched our marriage what can I say it's a bit like it's something else to do apart from watch movies drink wine and um sing so um so we basically uh, do this thing, and, and it's a very weird experience because it's like you, you try to take a breath, but your breath feels like it's somewhere over there. And somehow you've got to try and pull it back to actually breathe again to go under. So the second time I did it, I actually didn't breathe. I just thought, right, I'm coming up. I'm not going to take a breath. I'm just going to go under again. It was much better. But you have to learn how to handle the cold water. And this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the fact that quite often in life, we can hit cold water. We can hit something that happens in our lives. And our instinct often is to fight it or to swim. But actually what God calls us to do is to float, to live. Um, Maybe maybe, uh, it's that you've kind of hit breakdown in your marriage. Maybe you've lost... Uh, your job, maybe it's redundancy, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's someone that you love, 
maybe it's something else completely different. You know, we can hit cold water or deep water very often in our lives and it can be sometimes sudden or sometimes it's something we can see coming in the distance and yet we still need to work out how to handle it. What comes to mind for you guys when I think that? Anything particular? You don't have to say it out loud yet. So sinking. What makes you feel like you might sink? You hit this cold... Oh, actually, I want to read scripture first. Sorry, I've forgotten that bit. So let's go to Matthew 14, 22 to 33. My brain is, is uh, coming into line. We're just going to read it together. I think... Can we get it up on the screen? Is that all right? Thanks, Will. He's a superstar. This is about Jesus walking on water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went on up the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. God, I want to thank you that you love every person in this room. You know every story in this room. You know every heart cry in this room. You know from beginning to end, every breath that is taken. And I want to thank you that today you have something that you want to say to us. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We pray, use the words that I have, use the words that are brought through others, use the music, use conversations, use everything about today to meet with us, to remind us, to wake us up, to breathe on us, we pray. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, now to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So. We might all have something that comes to mind about, thro- about um, cold water. You know, it might be a, an instance like that where you actually did experience that point of like, I'm drowning. Or maybe it's something in your life that you're going through now or I've gone through that you, you're still trying to manage, you're still trying to work out. So we have these options, don't we, when we fall into cold water. We can either sink because we're fighting the water. We can swim because we're strong. Or we can take the advice of, of these guys here, which I I'm not going to keep saying the RNLI because it's really tricky to say, the, the video, uh, to actually float, okay? So what makes us sink? What makes us in life feel like we're sinking? For me, some of those things are battle for the mind. I think that's probably one of the hardest things for me in life. I mean, I've had some circumstances that have been challenging, but the ongoing everyday thing, battle for the mind, you know, it's how you feel when you wake up in the morning. It's how you feel when you walk home at night, when you've given out somewhere, where you've ministered somewhere, where you just wake up and look in the mirror. is because of something else that someone has spoken over you. Whatever it is, whatever the reason, battle for the mind comes in, doesn't it? Maybe you're grieving at the moment and you're feeling like you're sinking because you're just basically hurting 
and you don't know what to do with that pain. Maybe you're a single mum. Your partner is out at work all the time and maybe you feel like you're a single mum. Maybe you just are on your own. Maybe your partner left you. Maybe they never stuck around and you're on your own and you feel like, man, I can't do this. I'm fighting this all the time. I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like I'm drowning. Maybe you're just single. I've talked about having three kids and a joy of the having three children and maybe you're like, well, that's nice for you, but I'm still here waiting for my moment. And you feel like you're sinking there because there's no hope. How is it ever going to change? How will I ever meet that man? Maybe you've got finance struggles. Maybe because of circumstances in life, whatever that might be. I'm not going to dig too deep there. But maybe it's money. Maybe you're struggling with your sexuality here today. It's not actually talked about much. And you feel like you're drowning because you don't know what to do with it. How do you cope? Uncertainty. All these things can make us feel vulnerable and can actually instill that sense of, I don't know what to do and I can't breathe and I don't know how I'm going to survive this. They're just a few things that can come to mind when I was preparing it. What about swimming? How, how many of you here think, no, nah, none of those things are really on my list right now. I'm feeling pretty strong. I'm feeling pretty tough. I've got the muscles. I can swim. I've got a, my daughter, my middle one. My, well, actually, my son, when he swims, he's got that gangly leg. You know, that one in the breaststroke where the leg kind of does something weird. Anyone else seen that? Anyone else got that gammy leg? Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm blaming it on my husband. But my daughter, when she swims, she just glides through the water. She looks so strong, so healthy. There's barely kind of any splash apart from at the back where it's supposed to be. She just looks so beautiful like she's supposed to be in the water. She's strong. She's fit. Maybe today you feel a bit like that. Maybe you, don't, you haven't come in that place of feeling the need or feeling empty or feeling weary. But you're actually thinking, oh, I'm feeling quite good about myself. I'm feeling quite good. I'm quite a fighter. I'm quite strong. I, I enjoy all that. But the interesting thing about it is that even though we can swim, in moments like this, we still have the ability to drown. I was thinking about when Peter got out of the boat right? He did it in faith. He was strong. He was energetic. He leaped out of the boat and he ran towards Jesus. And he, and he followed him with that passion and the heart that he wanted to have, you know, and that he did have, that he, he displayed all along. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. Interestingly, his passion was not enough to keep him on the water. And even though we might be really good at swimming, we might be really good at surviving, we might be really good at life generally, that is not enough to actually keep us, to keep us alive in the water. Does that make sense? We cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot rely purely upon our skills, upon our own character, even upon other people around us. It will not be the, the, um, the full thing that we need to help us to live and to reign and to not just survive, but actually to kind of move through what God has called us to do. So we're going to go to floating, all right? The only way to survive, you know, Jesus says we can reign in life, doesn't he, is to float. When we hit cold water, when we hit those moments when we wake up feeling pretty rubbish, which we all do, you know, what do we do? We need to learn how to rest in Jesus. We need to learn how to lay back and allow him to carry us. Did you know that the deeper the water is, the easier it is to float as well? If you've ever tried floating in a child's swimming pool that's really, really low, it's really hard. 
But actually, the moment you get to the deeper water, you begin to go, oh, yeah, this is much easier. I mean, actually, there are some people who can't float. The bottom just sinks every time. Is there anyone who's like that, can't float? Yeah, you're like, this is all great, Lou, but I'm still trying to learn it in the real water. Yeah, don't worry. Maybe your time will come. (laughs) But for now, you know, we, we need to know what it is to float in Jesus. So I'm going to just pull out a couple of things from this scripture. Um, I'm not going to go through the entire scripture and I'm not even going to do it in order, but there's a couple of things that I noticed in this scripture that I think can really help us to learn how to float in Jesus. First of all, Jesus tells us to call out to him. In verse 30, Peter was there and when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, we often either focus on the fact that Peter got out of the, be- out of the boat and say, so like, yes, come on, Peter, you did it, you, you made it, you made it out of the water. Or we focus on the fact that he sank, you know, he sank, well done, Peter, good, good job, you know, you, you got there and then you sank, great one for us all. But actually, we don't think about what happened after that. He didn't just sink and expect Jesus to just pull him out. He cried out, Lord, save me. One of the key things of us, actually, as the people of God, as women of God, to, to learn how to float is to cry out to the Lord. I notice, I don't, we've got this thing in my house where my kids will often come up to me and say, Mom, I'm thirsty. Yeah? What do you want me to do about it? Oh, you want a drink? Well, you need to ask me, Mum, can I have a drink, please? I did it myself the other day. Jesse, my eldest son, was in the shower for way too long. And I, Jesse, you've been in there for ages. So What? What I, what I should have said to him was, Jesse, you need to get out of the shower now. And I actually want to encourage us to be really specific with our call and our cry to God. We don't just, we don't just kind of wait, hoping he's going to pull us out. Actually, what he wants us to do is to call out and be specific with him. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. There's that bit in Matthew where the blind men are there on their side and they say, Lord, have mercy. Now, Jesus didn't just go, oh, yeah, you're blind. Right, I'm just going to heal you because I can see what your need is. What he said was, what do you want me to do for you? I think that's fascinating. And then they had to be specific. They didn't just say, save me. They said, we want our sight. And Jesus gave them their sight. And it struck me, man, we need to be specific when we want God to pull us out of the water. Now, the thing I love about this was Jesus' response. He didn't just go, oh, Peter, Come on, start again, try it again. Back to the boat, come on lad, let's do it again. Actually, what he did was he reached down and pulled him out, okay? Now he could have sent him back to try again. He could have actually, right at the start, just got in the boat and not given Peter a chance to even try it. But what he did was he called him out and then he let him walk on the water and then he helped him when he needed it. So I love the fact that Jesus... When we hit these moments, if we cry out to him, he will, he promises to reach down and pull us out of the water. His arm is long enough, his arm is strong enough, and his hands are big enough to pull you out. They are big enough to hold you, to sustain you, to shelter you, to comfort you, to strengthen you. Because that's his word, and that's what he does by his spirit. Okay? Now, sometimes we don't feel that way, so we have to cry out again, Lord, save me. I need you. Now, I do know those times, I'm going to go into it in a bit, when it doesn't always look the way we want it to. But even when Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I don't really see Jesus telling off 
Peter. It was he wasn't ticking him off for being so dumb. Actually, I think he was just doing it with love and affection. Oh, Peter, come on, you can do this. It was more of a cheering on kind of. Come on, Peter, I can't believe you did that. Never mind, get in the boat. We'll do it again next time. I love the fact that Jesus was affectionate in the way that he cared for Peter. I love the fact that Peter knew Jesus really, really well. It wasn't like it was some stranger on the water, but he knew him really, really well. He recognized his voice. He recognized who Jesus was. He'd spent time with him. He knew the kind of God he was. And yet, even when he got closer, he still sank, didn't he? But that gives me comfort. There are times when I know who Jesus is. There are, I know what's going on. I know the deal. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I still sink. But Jesus is so gracious. He looks down and says, oh, Lou, not again come on then I'll pull you up but that's the beauty of the cross how many times have we ended up in a place where we've let we feel like we've failed or we've let God down or we've sunk in some way and we go oh I thought I was better than this have you ever felt that way or is it just me I I thought I could do better than that I've tried so hard it's like oh but it's not about you, is it? That's the whole point of the cross. That's the whole point is we need our saviour to reach down and pull us out. We cannot do this in our own strength and neither does he want us to and neither should we because that's why he came. So if you're here today and you, f- and you feel like you get that reply of, oh, darn it, I've done it again. I'm sinking again, Lord. I wanted to be better than this. He's reaching down saying, it's all right. Come here, and we'll give it a go again. Now, the next thing I want to do is uh, take, take the time to just think about the fact that Jesus invites us to come. Verse 29, Jesus says, come. He could have arrived at the boat and got in, like I said, but he didn't want to because he wanted Peter to experience something of who he was outside of the boat. Now, God could heal straight away, and there are wonderful experiences as that happens. And we can have moments in our life where the blessing is flourishing, and we feel like everything's positive and great and glowing. And we experience God's goodness in those moments. But sometimes we're called out of the boat to walk towards him, to be able to be only reliant upon him, so that we can experience him in an even greater and an even deeper way. Now, that's a scary thing to say because it's not like I want to pour out, yes, I want to go through all these experiences, Lord, just so I can get more close to you. And yet there's something in it. When we get out of the boat, when we're vulnerable, when we're not on solid ground, when we can't actually hold ourselves, that Jesus wants us to experience in him. He wants us to look at him and run towards him and believe that he's the one that can keep us on the water even though we should be sinking. So I want to encourage you today. He's inviting you to come. Now, I say this really carefully because I, I, I don't... That balance of sovereignty and actually just life sucks because we're in a fallen world is an interesting balance, isn't it? But God loves to use those bits when we're out on that water to actually allow us to taste who he is. So I want to encourage you in that even if it's really difficult, ask him to show you who he is in it. He doesn't just call us to blind faith. So he doesn't, it's not like Peter didn't have a clue who this guy was and he thought, oh, that looks fun, I'll just give that a go. 
No, he calls us to faith that is certain and is sure. You know, in Hebrews 11, it says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. There's a proving, there's a testing, there's a seeing of God's promises come to pass. God builds up our muscles sometimes, doesn't he? And sometimes we see the answer to prayer straight away and sometimes we don't. I remember praying for a car once and it was like one of those really flimsy prayers that you pray. Ella was like six weeks old. She was screaming. I was walking around the block trying to get her to sleep in the thing. And I was tired and we had like this huge list of of what we need from God. Now, we live in in the kind of position where... We don't have any regular income. I don't know what my monthly income will be necessarily. You know, we've had to kind of follow that rule of seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. That's the, that's the policy we live by. And uh, we were at this stage where we had a car, but it was not big enough for what we needed to do. And I remember walking around this thing going, Nathan and I have been talking about a car. The kind of car we needed was about 20 grand. And it was like, there's no way we can even finance that, find that, can't do that. So I was like, right, Lord, here I am. Um, I've just got uh, this list for you today. I'm really sorry it's a long list, and I know it's all asking, but I've got to do it because you told me to. So here I am. So I'm walking around going, and I need this, and I need that, and I really need this, and I really need that. And also we could really do with a new car. Amen. It literally was kind of like a list, all right? God is kind to me. Two weeks later, this guy calls up and he says, oh, I feel like um, God's told me to give you my car. Would that be okay? You're like, yes, thank you, Lord. Now, the funny thing is this. I'm really sorry if this offends you, but one of, one of the cars that I really never really loved is a Ford. Like, I always think they're really boring. And then, and then a Galaxy was like the most boring car in the world. I've always, I've always kind of slightly mocked anyone who's bought a Ford. Like, they're not great. And then what did God give me? a Ford Galaxy. So I was like, thanks, Lord. Bit of sense of humor there. He gave us a car. It was amazing. It had leather seats. It had televisions in the thing. It had a baby seat, which was amazing. It was, a, it was pretty pimped up, I have to say. And, uh, and it was fantastic. That was like one of those moments where, yes, God, you answered my prayer. In fact, this week, our dishwasher broke down uh, just before we went away. And I host a lot of people in our house. We have a lot. I've got four sisters. We had 25 people for Christmas for three days, camped out in our house, eight children in my bedroom. It was not romantic. Um, it wasn't even, shall we see if we could know? Um, you know, it was like, it was manic. And we fed a lot of people, and that is what it's like in our house. We feed, we feed, we feed. And so when the dishwasher breaks down, it is not a great moment, is it? Some of you might be thinking, well, I have to wash up every day. I'm sorry. Um, but basically, I was at there. We came home, and we're like, right, Nath, what are we going to do about the dishwasher? I, and we, we, we've got a credit card, so we was like, shall we put it on the credit card? And we felt yesterday, no, we're not going to put it on the credit card. Let's just pray the money in. And I was like almost kind of smug. I was walking around the house going, right, Lord, I trust you. I'm just so, you know, I'm so at peace with, you know, being content with much and being content with little. And I'm going to teach the children how to pray this dishwasher in too. And we're going to, I'm going to make them wash up and then they're going to pray in that dishwasher really hard. <laughs> and then about two hours later, Nathan appeared and he went, um, so, uh, you know, that money we normally get in June, uh, is, is coming today. So it looks like we can get the dishwasher. And I was like, oh, right. Wow. Thanks, Lord. But you know that kind of feeling of like, I didn't even get a chance to really pray this one in. And I've already been given it. 
I can't believe it. And I told the kids, they were all like, totally like, thank you, God, that I didn't have to do the washing up. But there are moments like that, aren't there, where we get the instant prayer. And then there are the moments when it doesn't pan out quite the way we want it to. And I don't know if you know my story, but um, my mum died about nine and a half years ago uh, of cancer. And it was traumatic and it was sudden and uh, it was not my will. I did not want to lose her. I did not want her to die. And uh, when you see somebody kind of wasting away before you in a very short space of time, it's painful. It hurts. I still carry grief with me now. It's not like you move on. You deal with things, you adjust things. And there were amazing times with God within that, actually. But I, I understand what it is to have unanswered prayer. It doesn't always rock up, you know, the same day that I ask for it. It's painful. And I, I know what it's like to be disappointed where I've asked for things. I've asked for other people to be healed and they haven't been healed. I know what it's like to, to lose. And, and yet, God has given us this current that goes all the way through that says... Faith is certain of what we hope for. No, what is it? <laughs> Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And when we were around my mum's bed and, you know, um, she died on the Tuesday and on the Saturday night she was pretty much um, unconscious. It's usually the ears that go last, the sound apparently. And um, she loved me and my sister to sing. So we sung around her bed and... I can honestly say that we have never... It's one of the f- deepest experiences of God that I've ever had. And I've lived a Christian for quite a long time now. And I've been in amazing worship times. I've been in amazing church services. I've been in amazing conversations with people outside of the church. Lots of amazing moments. But that, for me, was a game changer. Because when I was there, and my mum was dying before me... I've never felt God so close. All of us, we we had this incredible sense of peace and of hope and of light, even though it felt very dark. How can you hope when the person you hope for is, is going? Because of Jesus. Now, I wouldn't have experienced that if I had not experienced the loss. Do I want my mum here? Yes. Do I wish she could see my kids? Yes. Do I want to hear her laugh again? Yes. Am I trying to sometimes remember what her voice sounds like? Yes. But I found Jesus there in a way that I've, you know, I, I don't every day. If he hadn't said come to me at that point, I'd never know that depth. So maybe for you today, you're going through this bit and it's really hard it could be anything there is so much junk going on in people's lives it could be to do with something that's going on from somebody else maybe you're having a battle of the mind and you're struggling with mental health stuff there's so much but Jesus says come I will pull you out and I'm with you Remember they, he got into the boat with, with Peter? You're going to let him in the boat today with you?
my friend lost her mum last year and I really felt God say to me <coughs> because we were, there were a lot of people in faith for her to be healed and, and we live in that tension again don't we because I believe that Jesus is the healer today I believe that he does heal today I believe with all my heart I've seen it, I've tasted it, I know it I also, also live in the tension that it doesn't always happen every time and God spoke to me about this thing. He said, are you going to trust in the miracle or the miracle maker? And sometimes we get so caught up in wanting the healing, wanting the answer to prayer, that we rely and fall upon that as our resolve. And actually we need God to be our resolve. It's a simple thing. sounds cliche, but actually the miracle is the sinking sand if it's not founded on Jesus the rock if it's just the miracle we all die at some point our flesh decides to give up so even if my mama got healed then I'd still lose her at some point and what do I have left well I have Jesus now that's an ongoing process of understanding, an ongoing process of revelation. But we need to be a people who, even though we want the miracle, we want to ask God for breakthrough, we want to see the breakthrough, and we will keep knocking, and we will keep asking, and we will keep hankering after, and we will keep believing for, if it does not come on this side of heaven, we still have to have our confidence in God. The third thing I want to mention is out of this passage is Jesus walked on the water first. We kind of think about the fact that he'd been doing all these miracles, had experienced all this great stuff. They were on the water. They were used to the storm. They were used to the water being a bit rocky. What you know, it's all it's all there. But when I was reading it the other day, I thought, man, Jesus wasn't on the shore saying, "It's all right, boys. Don't worry. I'm here." He walked on the water first. He demonstrated it was possible. He was there with them, close by. And there's a bit in, um, in Hebrews where it talks about the fact that we have a high priest who is, we do not have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You know, Jesus walked on the water first there and he has gone before us for everything that we need now. It talks in Hebrews about him being the author and the perfecter of our faith so that everything that we need is found in him. He knew what it was like to walk on the earth and feel weak, to be rejected, to be misunderstood. He knew what it was like to be truly abandoned. He knew what it was like to be spat upon and cursed. He knew what it was like to grieve and be in sorrow. There's a, a guy called John Stott who has this quote where he, he talks about standing before Buddha and looks at Buddha and his arms are crossed and his legs are crossed and he's got a big smile on his face. And, you know, he's taking it in for a while and then he realizes, but it's just a piece of clay. The God that we know, 
the Jesus that we know knows what it was like to experience everything that we experience because he came down and walked this earth as we walk. Now some of you here may be really familiar with that and yet have forgotten that we don't just come to a Jesus who's far off, but we come to a Jesus who's experienced it. So he understands what pain is, he understands what suffering is, he understands what cold water looks like. And, you know, it said in the beginning of that passage that he'd spent time with the Father. He knew what it was to learn how to float. He knew what it was to draw from his Father to survive people, <laughs> to, to live in the land that we live. He knew what it was like. You come today to a Jesus who is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but went through things in every way that we do. And what does it say? So tick off the list and then come to me survive if you make it if you do it then you can come in no he says come to me first and it's there you've received grace it's there you receive mercy come to me first and there you will receive what you need Jesus submitted his will to the will of the father Sometimes we've got to do that too, haven't we? We have to submit what we want. Well, all the time we need to do that. But you know, you know what I mean? In, in difficult times, we have to go, okay, just as Jesus submitted his will to the will of the Father, so must I. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Again, this isn't an easy thing to do, but it's where the life is. It's where hope is. It's where peace is because we know who God is so we can trust him. There's so much more that I could say there. But Jesus walked on the water first and he's done the same for us in our lives. Lastly, floating is about living in the grace of God. It's not about striving. It's not about trying to achieve it's not about surviving. You know, that, those, those two images, first of all, with the, the um, kind of sinking and, and swimming, that's all in our own strength. We're all trying to do it. We're trying to make ourselves uh, breathe and, and survive out of this water. And even if we're strong, we're trying to make ourselves do it. And actually floating is actually about living in the grace of God. Now, the grace of God doesn't mean then that you've got no responsibility and no choice and no will. Actually, what it means is that you're going, actually, I'm going to live under the grace of God, knowing that I can trust him, knowing that I'm doing this in his strength, knowing that I'm going to submit my will to his will, knowing that I do have choice, but because I've seen Jesus, because I realize that I can trust him with my life, I'm going to live in the goodness and the grace that he has given me. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's kind of a comforting scripture, although sometimes we'd like it to be perfect when we're a bit stronger, wouldn't we? But unfortunately for us, or fortunately, he says that it's, his grace is sufficient. Okay, sufficient. It's everything that we need. And it says it's made perfect in our weakness, which means that 
as we submit our will to God, as we submit our vulnerabilities, as we submit our weaknesses, God's power is then at work and he then is glorified. Otherwise, it's all about us. And actually, he doesn't want to share his glory with anyone else, does he? And rightly so. So we want to come under that and enjoy the fact that his grace is sufficient for us. If you're going through a difficult time right now, I want to tell you that his grace is sufficient for you today. That's a daily intake. It's not just a, a one, one-off injection and that's it. It's like we need to actually inhale him every day. We need to inhale his grace every day. We need to feed on his grace every day. His grace is sufficient for us and his power is made perfect in our weakness. The great thing about the floating image is that um, it's not just that you just then stay there. You don't just float and then, then what? You're just there forever. Actually, what it's about is finding your strength as you float to then move on and get out from that position. So I want to encourage you again. You might be in that floating stage at the moment, but you're not going to be there forever. Actually, what God's doing is he's strengthening you to then either give you all that you need to swim out of the situation or he'll come and rescue you in a different way. Again, all these things sound sweet. I met a girl the other day who's walking through Lyme's disease that she's had for 20 years and she lost her baby and she's lost her dad and I'm not going to say that the floating is over within five minutes because she spent time with God and now she can move on and it's all fine. That's not real, is it? But God gives us the strength that we need to continue in life. And, and more than that, it's not just survival mode. Like I said, when I hit those moments with mum, there's a sweetness that we encounter with God that we never would have even realized existed. And that's available for every person in this room today he is available for every person in this room today I love this scripture in Isaiah 43 it says but now says the Lord he who created you O Jacob or Lou he who formed you O Israel fear not for I have redeemed you I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. I'm going to say that again. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. You will not be consumed. It is not going to take you. Because you are his. He has redeemed you. He has called you by name. And you are his today. I want to encourage you with that. Whether it's an everyday waking up, battle of the mind, need to learn how to float on the everyday moments. And whether it's a, a deep cold water moment. Fear not, for he is with you. He has redeemed you. He has called you by name. 
the water will not overwhelm you. It will not con you. You will not drown because he is with you. I love the bit at the end of this video where you have that position of vulnerability. It's like floating, actually. The position of it, the way, the image of it. I'm quite an image-driven person. And when you, when you see the image of those people laying back, it's, it's not like they're just doing this and hoping that they're going to float. It's like they are arms open, legs spread open. It's like everything is vulnerable. In fact, you know, it's totally vulnerable, that image. Totally vulnerable. And actually, that is the position that we need to be in when we come to God. And that's hard. I'm a very um, people person. I love people. I'm pretty open. What you see is what you get. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, so I don't find it very difficult to be vulnerable with people. Now, I'm, you know, I have my boundaries. But I'm quite, I'm quite good at that. It doesn't bother me at all. But some of you today, like the thought of being vulnerable with people, being open, body language open, it's like that sounds horrendous because you're not naturally predisposed like that it's not naturally your personality to be an open hugger like I am okay I'm a hugger she's a hugger I'm a feeder and a hugger okay but some of you it's like I'll do everything and I'll get everything done and I'll I'll serve you God and I'll do it all but you, you do it from a position of this okay but Jesus is actually inviting you to to open your arms out and lay back and allow the water to carry you in a way that maybe you've never experienced before and that's the grace of God too. Because there's a joy, you allow him to carry you. All the imagery is so wonderful, isn't it, with the water and how the water can carry you and the water holds you and the water keeps you and, and you allow the water to carry you wherever he wants you to go. I mean, there's so much you can bring out of it in one level. But for me today, I want, I want to encourage you to be vulnerable. It's time to kind of let go of the things that you're holding on to really tightly that's like this. Okay, God, you can have most of it, but this bit's way too hard. Today's your day. Today's the day that you can actually start peeling your fingers off of the thing that you're holding on to and either lay it down or give it to someone else next to you and say, okay, I've been holding this for decades and it's really crippling me and I don't know what to do with it. So I'm going to give it to you. Can you help me take my burden? Maybe there's stuff that really is very painful here today. And you're not alone. This room is full of women who are with you together. So actually they can help take that burden for you and you can allow yourself to be free and vulnerable before Jesus. Without Jesus pulling us out, we will drown. Doing things in our own strength first, we will drown. Relying on him, floating and trusting and drawing our strength from him first, we will live. Jesus wants us to continue to answer his call to come out of the boat. And when we begin to sink, know what it is to let him pull us out. And then move on and walk on water and do things that we've never dreamed were possible. Jesus didn't just leave Peter at that place where he, he kind of messed up and then thought, right, well, you had your chance. Did you know that bit in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Had your chance, muffed it. 
Do you know that line? It always makes me laugh. Anyway, Jesus is not like that. He doesn't say, you didn't bring your prophetic song today. That was it. That was your chance. That was your moment. That's it. You're done. Not doing that again. I tried giving you that responsibility and you didn't do it. So I'm moving on. He's not like that, is he? He actually says, I've got another one for you. Don't worry. It's the same in so many areas of our lives where we, we should have gone that way, Lord, and then we didn't, and then we feel rubbish like Peter would have done. And Jesus says, no, it's okay. I've got plenty more. Because the joy is not in the tasks. The joy is in finding him. The joy is not in actually doing the prophetic song, although there's joy in that and there's fruit from that. But actually, it's about actually believing him and having faith in him and seeing what he does. Maybe that's you today where you feel like you got out of the boat and you're sinking now. And actually, Jesus is saying, don't worry, oh, you of little faith. I've got you. Let's try again, shall we? There was um, a friend of mine. Where's my phone? Can I just grab my phone for a sec? A friend of mine texted me yesterday, and um, he's been praying for this conference for us. Uh, yes, a man has been praying. And it's not, he's not given a man's view, although I quite like men's views as well, so it's all right. Um, he put this, uh, and he felt that there's somebody here who um, may have a trilby or a Federer-style hat. Now, I haven't seen any of you wearing them, but maybe you've got one at home, okay? And he wanted to remind you of a scripture in Matthew 6 that says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And he said, I just got the impression that there'll be a woman there on Saturday wearing a hat like that who needs some particular encouragement around finance or some form of provision. It might not be actually her situation. It could be someone she knows. But I think those verses would encourage the scenario of whatever's going on. God loves to speak. He loves to speak to us. He's not distant. He's not far off, even though sometimes we can feel like he is. So if that's you today and you're anxious about your finances or you know someone who is anxious about their finances, he wants to tell you that he has provision for you. I just want to encourage you with that. Should we just pray together? If, if the guys could just come up and just, um, just give a little bit of a vamp for a minute and we'll just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Girls, guys, whoever's, whoever's in worship. Or you're going to have to have me singing. That's going to be... I, I charge more for that. No. <laughs> you think I'm joking? No. <laughs> yeah. Lord, how easy it is to try and do things in our own strength. How easy it is to feel like because we've been a Christian for so long, we must know how to, how to swim now. How easy it is to sink. 
Come Holy Spirit. God, we don't just want to come here and do the niceties. We want to be transformed by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit. We thank you that you went before us, that you've done all things to make it possible for us now to reign in life. We thank you that our hope is not dependent upon what we see in front of us, but we see dimly this future that heaven is our home. We thank you so much that you tell us that we don't just have to survive and then one day we're home, but you tell us that we can now live here on earth and live life to the full. I thank you for your tenderness that doesn't get cross with us and you're not impatient with us and you don't lose the plot at us when you don't get the rage like sometimes I might feel but you're kind and you're generous and you're loving and you're faithful and you're slow to anger and you're rich in love I thank you that you are full of power and you are able to save you are able to save Lord able to save 